everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Loops Are Up Here. Today, I'm very, very excited to have two of my awesome friends, Dr. Vladana Babsik and Dr. Kate Quinlan here. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So I wanted to invite these two lovely ladies on because they are just my idols. They're awesome in what they do as specialists, as women, as moms, all of it. And I know a lot of this podcast really just gets into these conversations with women in different aspects of their lives and dentistry. And I think what's so hard about being career women is that we have these multiple identities and it's like, how do you embrace each identity without losing a part of yourself. And I think having these two women, it's going to be really amazing just to kind of have these open conversations about how they've handled their career, partnership in their awesome practice, and just being a mom and a wife and really just doing what a lot of us already do. So welcome, guys. Thank you again so much for being here. Kate, do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Kate Quinlan Brown. And I am a periodontist at Cameo Dental Specialists. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Came to Chicago about 10 years ago for residency and stayed here ever since. I'm LaDonna Babsik. I'm an endodontist and Kate's partner at Cameo Dental Specialists. I grew up in Minneapolis. I moved to Boston and I went to dental school at Tufts, which I loved, and then came here for residency and then was really lucky to join my ideal practice. Awesome. Thank you guys again. Kate, do you want to kind of get into why you decided to become a specialist? I know when I first started dental school and started thinking about what my next steps were, A lot of people talked about specialties being a great option because of lifestyle. And especially as a woman, they talk about motherhood a lot as well. What was the reason for you? Was it the subject? Was it lifestyle? Did that factor in? Why did you decide to be a periodontist? Well, for me, honestly, it was more that I knew I always wanted to work. So maybe subconsciously it had to do with knowing that I eventually maybe would have kids and have a family and not want to work as much. But I honestly always thought it would be more work to be a specialist, and it was in the beginning for sure, and still is, at least in my mind, obviously. My mom was a surgeon and worked, and I really wanted to follow in her footsteps to some degree. And so perio for me was this great combination of creating great relationships with people because you have these very long-term hygiene patients that you see every six months for 30 years. And then you also get to do some really cool surgeries and kind of treatment plan on a bigger scale. And so that's why I liked Perio. For me, I was one of those weird people that like I did not see aesthetics. My brain was just not aesthetically driven. Like when I had a patient in dental school that needed anterior composites, I was like, oh, God, how am I going to make this look good? Is it going to be good? It just that stuff seems so hard for me. But when I figured out that I could get people out of pain in sometimes 10 minutes. That was it. Like that was my calling. And it's almost been to a fault because I'll stay late. I'll come early. It's like knowing that you can get people out of pain is just so motivating to me that it makes me give up other things to do that for people. And so I'm really, and we will talk about it later, but I'm trying to reel that in a little bit. (laughs) So, well, I mean, we'll bring it up now since you talked about it. Both of you are dedicated now to a different level being partners here, but tackling pain, also your commitment to long-term relationships, Kate, too. How have you really created the boundaries that 
you were hoping to, because really when you get into dental school, they really sell you on this work-life balance. They really do. I feel like that was like, oh, this is why I got into this, because I have work-life balance. And my dad, as a physician, was like laughing at me. He's like, do you even know what that means? And I was like, I guess I'll find out. But now owning my own practice, I feel like you get up, you get in there earlier, get in there when you're needed. And sometimes that means not having lunch. Sometimes that means staying late. Sometimes that means giving a patient your cell phone. Even that's a boundary sometimes that gets blurred. How have you, Lenana, felt like your commitment to patients has affected your personal life? Oh, definitely. I tend to put cameo first. Even my husband's like, you always put cameo first, but it's like, I went to school for a lot of years to do something I really love to do. So I sometimes don't have great boundaries with that, but I always thought to myself, let me just really work as hard as possible, develop a good reputation, have referring doctors know that I'm there for their patients, have patients know that I can get them in same day if needed and create that reputation that is well-respected, ethical. And then as I have kids and they get older, I figured maybe that's when I would slow down a little bit because one piece of advice that our partner, Rick Lunaretto, gave me is he said, oh, you think it's so hard with this baby? Just wait till they're older and they need you or they actually need to talk to you after school or they want you to go to their event or they need to tell you about their boyfriend or their girlfriend or the fact that their friend just got in a fight with them. So I'm really hoping that I've created enough of a foundation that as my girls get older, I will be a little bit more available. So I don't know when that time will come, but not yet. <laughs> Good luck with that. But, um, <laughs> I had a patient tell me one time, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. It only gets harder, obviously. Yeah. And the attention you have to give your kids only becomes more... And I think, too, in the office, at least what I try to do with every patient is to make them feel that they have my undivided attention when they're in my chair and that they can reach me at any time. So I do give my cell phone number to every patient. So even though all day long I'm apologizing for running 5, 10, 15 minutes behind, I will say I will give you my full attention now. And until this appointment is over, until your surgery is done, you will have my undivided attention. And here is my number. You can call or text me at any time making sure that they understand they can always reach out to me. And it's almost like the safety of that. I don't get a lot of calls. <laughs> yeah, because they're feeling like, okay, well, she's here. She's not distracted. And same thing with you. Like you got, you're, you're here, you're available. You're not distracted. You're not getting pulled in seven other different directions. They feel heard. Do you feel though? Well, that's, I guess for you, then you're not getting a lot of calls at home. So then you haven't felt that it's really bled into your home life then. No, I actually kind of wish that I did get more so that I could be like, honey, can you take care of the kids? I've got a, I got a call. <laughs> really busy and important. Uh, but I really don't. I actually do get a lot of calls at home. But if I see somebody on a Thursday and with an infected tooth, like I can open it up. But I know that there's potential for a flare up or pain. And for me, just being, I mean, I think all of us are control type of people. And <laughs> I like to know that my patient's okay. Like that matters to me. And that actually gives me peace of mind over the weekend to where I can be a better mom and invest into my kids instead of wondering, hey, should I call that patient? How are they feeling? So the whole cell phone thing that we've been doing in our office for 45 years, even before that you just, people would give out their home phone numbers originally, mm -hmm. I think has actually been really nice like that doesn't bother me at all in fact it makes me feel good I agree and I know that everybody does this too is I 
don't call probably as much, but I text every patient every night and I'm like, hey, this is Dr. Quinlan, just making sure you're okay. And I know that you do that with your patients and it just is, they're like, wow, oh my God, thank you so much. I'm like, listen, it's not about that. I just like, I'm here if you need me. And most of the time they're like, I'm great. I'll see you in a month. Has any patient ever crossed the line where they've reached you when yes. you're hoping not? I've had patients, yes. <laughs> and, and actually, like now that we're talking about texting, I've had patients who call me overnight, three in the morning and expect a phone call like or expect me to answer. Or they'll call 10 times that night. But usually when I look back at who the patient was, I probably should have not given my number to that one. You know, you can kind of look back and be like, okay, that personality or that type of patient. But most people have been really respectful. Some people are awkward too. I think they can't believe that a doctor gives them their cell phone numbers. So I think they think you're friends. And so I've had to draw the line with that where they'll be like, do you want to get together for drinks? And it's not that I don't. Sometimes I really enjoy the patient, but I have to tell myself, no, you have to draw the line there. Have your significant others ever commented on that on patients having your cell phone number because I feel like sometimes Dallas will be like who are you talking to now and I'm like a patient and he's like well he understands but so he's a pharmacist and so for him there isn't really that relationship relationship, outside of that business hours and for me I'm like well I know it's 10 p.m but she's calling me for something I'm, I'm gonna respond or she's texting me about something because ultimately I feel like it's a reflection on your work reflection on how you provide care but it definitely has put a strain, I think, a little bit on our relationship. Like I said, I always put work first. And maybe I don't put it first, but it has a constant kind of priority in my life. And, of course, the times where it doesn't need to have that priority, then I invest my energy into something else. But my husband knows this is how he met me. This is how I've always been. I really, that's just how I am. I can't change it. Kate, <laughs> for you, have you found that over the years, how you prioritize things have fluctuated? especially as your kids have gotten older, do you feel like initially it was always the kids when they were younger and then it kind of shifted career or has it always been even across the board? I joined Cameo four years ago and I think that spending more time with LaDonna has (laughs) made me, forced me, wanted, like I've wanted to put my career more first just because I see how happy and successful and rewarding like LaDonna's career has been since the beginning And I had just a different path to getting there. And so certainly in the beginning, I knew I always wanted to work. I knew I wanted a career and I just wasn't in the right place. And then I had kids and they were little and you have your life that you have to try to figure out. Now, certainly work is a priority, but I like, I told Vladana, but I drive my kids to school every day because it makes me feel like less of a shitty mother. Sorry, can I swear on this? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Just because I want them to be like, yeah, mom drove me to school every day. And like, my mom didn't drive me to school every day and I still like her a lot. So <laughs> I don't know if I have to do that, but I think that for me, like it's like these little things and I try to get home and I put them to bed and I give them a bath and I try to not be on my phone all the time, but I'm not a, a miracle worker here. There's only so much attention you can do, but yeah, it's definitely changed. But Lodana and I were talking today, like our six-year-old daughters require a lot more of our attention now, not because they're asking for it, but because they're like shaping who they're going to be right yeah, now. They're like humans now, right? Like, yeah. yes, they're processing information, processing emotions. Like we're talking about bigger, you actually are bigger kid, bigger problems, right? And so your attention to them is just 
different. Yeah. Well, and I think their attention to you being gone, like yeah. my nine month old, I mean, <laughs> right. She doesn't know. I mean, it doesn't matter, but as the kids have gotten older, I can see that. And it was, yeah, Kate and I were talking today during the work day. And I said, I think I might want to go down to three 12 hour days. So I thought to myself, how can I really be home? Because I find that if I work the five days that I do work, I'm always willing to come in early. I'm always willing to stay late. And that day really turns into a 12 hour day. So I thought, what if I got more efficient and work three 12 hour days and actually gave myself that day to drop off, pick up, do things for myself and do things that make me feel good. So that's something I'm thinking about. (laughs) Well, one of my friends, which, you know, Dr. Sonia Chopra, she actually, every kid she had, she cut one day out of her dental practice, like that she was actually there. And I was like, wow, okay, maybe I could try to think about doing that. And I've tried to do that for like, now I'm down to four days, but I feel like the fifth day really isn't a me day. So I haven't really quite figured out how to adapt to that or adopt it, I should say. Kate, as you're talking about how you're dropping your kids off, I have the same thought. My husband sometimes will beat me home one of the random days that he can. And he'll be like, should I pick her up? And I'm like, no, this is my day to pick her up. And he's like, you pick her up every day. I'm like, I know, but I miss Thursday. So I have to pick her up every other day. And you really, it's just these, I don't know, these ideas you set for yourself that like these standards of how to meet yourself as like a career woman and be true to that part. And then also as a mom. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're all our own critics. Like we're our worst critics, right? Nobody else judges you, but you continuously judge yourself over and over again. And then we talk about it and we continue to judge. We tell each other it's okay, but then we still judge ourselves. And it's not a matter of like anyone judging the other person. It's you judging yourself really. And I feel like that's what it is. And I think a lot of why I decided to do this was you're talking about it earlier is that it can feel very isolating. You feel like you're the only, I mean, even though you know you're not, and a lot of us generally have similar problems or similar concerns about balancing our lives, but I feel like it still feels really isolating. You feel alone in what you're doing. And which is why I think it's so great to talk about it, to open up about these things, because it can feel really, I don't know, you feel alone. Like you talk about like you're your worst critic. I mean, that's the reason why I guess we got to where we are because we judge ourselves as harshly as we did and we're competitive with ourselves and also competitive with others too, but ourselves especially. I think that's every working mom's issue. I mean, it doesn't matter how many days you work, you always find a reason for why you could be doing more at home, right? Whether it's part-time, full-time, I think it's probably the nature of motherhood. Yeah, Yeah, motherhood, I think, well, one, it's the most thankless job, as everyone says, right? And whatever, like, that doesn't even matter. But it is also a very isolating, in general, motherhood is. Like, you are in charge of everything, or at least you you put that on yourself to try to do everything. And trust me, my husband, I love him, but he does not put it on himself to do everything just because he has different priorities in terms of, like, the kids and me and his career. He just probably thinks about it in a less complicated way, which I wish I could, but, like... I want to make sure that I give them everything they need and have everything in order and the house is clean and they go to school on time and they have all the projects. Like, I want to make sure I care about that stuff. And I wish I didn't, but you just do. And then it becomes this one person job. And then you get mad at someone else for not helping you, even though you don't even give them the opportunity 
to do that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, all the time. <laughs> and my kid's only nine months. And I, already, I already feel this way. <laughs> but I find, too, that moms, like, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know a single dad that makes the doctor's appointments, make sure they yeah. RSVP to the birthday party, make sure there's a present waiting for the birthday party. Right. Make sure that there's the clothes have switched from the summer clothes to the winter clothes. It's getting colder in the dresser. And they just don't think about that. And I hate to make like a male-female thing because maybe some people do. I don't want to say it. But I think as moms, we just do all of that and all the behind-the-scenes stuff every single day. And I don't think we ever give ourselves credit. You guys should follow this Instagram. It's actually a friend of mine, Tara Elwell. She started this shop, Superkin. It's on Instagram. The whole point is to highlight all of the extra things that moms do. And they sell these shirts that say, added to resume, raised a human. (laughs) And it's so true because they're trying to really show that people who've been maybe a stay-at-home mom should be able to get back into the workforce and have it not be looked upon negatively. Like, oh, you've been a stay-at-home mom. Well, actually, yeah, I've been an organizer. I'm really good at teamwork. I'm really good at being efficient. I'm really good at making things happen quickly with the way I run my household. So instead of it looking like, oh, she's been out of the workforce, it's kind of like, no, she's actually been running a household. You guys should follow it. It's actually really interesting to watch what they're doing. Well, that's great. I feel like almost then even on, I don't know, for me, I feel like then all of the things that I'm doing at home, I don't know, it feels validated. And I know, you know, I know, I mean, it's just one of those things where you, I mean, you were just talking about this, Kate, like it just, the things that just get done and I don't want to throw my husband under the bus because it's not really that, but you feel sometimes taken for granted because you've tackled all these things. But then at the same time, you're also choosing to tackle all these things because your brain works in a certain way. Right. Right. And you feel that you want to check all these boxes off because it feels good to you. And this is how you process information is how you want to rear your child a certain way that you feel like you need to. And they just process things differently. And their priorities are different. And it's no fault of their own. It's just what it is. But then you're doing all these things at work and at home. And I just feel like I'm just, at some point, I'm like, when, when do I rest? I feel like I don't even know. Yeah, it's hard time to find time for yourself and really yourself. Not where you have five minutes, like where you have an hour to be alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like you were saying, it's a choice we make to do all these things. Like, no one is asking us to do all these things. And if we didn't do them, they probably would get done. Maybe not solely by us. Maybe it would be more of a group effort. But going back to me driving my kids to school, my husband's like, Kate, you don't have to take them to school every day. Like you make a choice to do it. And if you want to do that, that's fine. But then it's almost like don't complain about it if it's something that you want to do. My younger sister just had a baby too. And she's always talking about how her husband doesn't do a lot or she wants more help or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but you want to do everything. You like to do all these things. You have to accept that this is what a marriage is and this is what having a kid is and just go with it because for centuries this is the way it's been and and you're not going to change that well and I think if we ask for help it's like you feel like it's a sign of weakness yes totally oh I want to ask for help like if, if somebody else does that for me you get annoyed like I actually get annoyed when somebody cleans the kitchen so I'm like wait I want to clean the kitchen like it makes me feel good to clean the kitchen after dinner because it's like my one contribution that night because I probably came late I barely had time I was on my phone walking in the door and so I want to be able to do that to make me like feel more of a woman or a mom or a wife which is so fucked up now that I'm saying it out loud but I get really crazy about it I'm like no stop I was like well I can help you 
no, no, I got it. But really, no, I don't got it. (laughs) We all become our mothers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Culturally for us, I think, or culturally for me, we had to do it all. Like we just always did stuff around the house. Like even right now, my mom, she'll be working all day and she'll come home. And the priority is to feed my dad first and then her second. Even though they're both fully capable individuals. But my dad, though, at the same time, if you try to pick up the dishes after dinner or if you try to clean the dishes or put them in the dishwasher, he gets like that's his thing and that's become his thing. But to go back to my mom and become our mothers, like it's the truth. Like I look at her as, in my opinion, a role model. She's helped my dad build an amazing practice, practices, the life that they've lived together, raised us, took us to all these things, and then also managed her own career. But then also I feel like has done a great job being a mom still to this point. When we come home on Sunday to see her, she has food for my husband and I. She's like, oh, well, you know, I thought that you guys are just so busy. So she takes extra hours spent. And she still works extra hours to spend to make a meal or two for us for the week. And so you almost feel like I want to do that. And how do I get there? And I really think my mom's an awesome person. and She's really been a great role model as a career woman. So I think in that light, you feel like there's the standard that naturally gets created generation after generation or even amongst your own peers that you feel like you know you have to have it all or do it all yeah and I think that your mom probably does that because it makes her feel good just like it makes us feel good to do things but my sister-in-law wrote this kind of article that I read it was about motherhood and being a career woman and one thing that I read in there that like stood out for me and I think about it a lot is she said you can have it all but you can't have it all at the same time and she goes, I don't mean like the same year, I mean the same day. Like you can do it all, but you might just not be able to do it today. Today you'll work a really long day and maybe you will crash at night and just go to bed. But tomorrow you can do everything. So you just have to juggle it and think that actually you are having it all. You're just not having it at the exact same moment. That's a really good way to look at it. I don't think I've ever thought of it from that perspective. Well, but she said, if you really think you're having it all, all at the same time, that means you're texting back with your husband, you're seeing your patient, and you're FaceTiming with your kid or dropping them off. Like, you can't do it, and you won't feel good kind of half-assing it. Right, exactly. Yeah, well, now it totally makes sense why my mom got so mad when we touched the dishes in the kitchen. (laughs) Oh my God. She won't let me even empty the dishwasher. It's like her thing. She gets like angry. It's like her thing. Get out of here. It is. She's like, you know I like this. Don't touch the rubber gloves. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys, having male counterparts, because I know Cameo historically was an all male practice initially, have you guys had any of these kind of conversations with them? Kind of. I get a little feisty sometimes. And I'm like, well, if I only had a wife, I would have had that done. And, you know, they're kind of like, in the guys actually that we work with are great. Like, I think a lot of people will say, well, I needed this woman to support me to grow. And I have this lot of female friends and female doctors that have helped me succeed. But honestly, when I joined that practice, like the guys were so supportive and anything, I kind of felt like they rolled out the red carpet for me. And I was always treated really well. I remember even like my first year, I mean, I was totally a nobody. I just graduated, like barely knew how to do a root canal, right? Like just getting in the real world. And anytime if I got stuck, they'd be like, if you ever get stuck, I'm going to come right into the room. Just have me come in. I'll find the MB2. I'll pretend that I didn't find it. I'll just point it to you. I'll put a file and it'll jump right out. And then we had this thing where we'd say, hey, that was a really tough case. I want to show my partner. 
And that's how I got through like really tough cases. And they would always take time out of their day and their schedule to help me. And so I learned through that. Rick, one of our partners, would be asked to lecture at anything, midwinter meetings, Chicago Dental Society. He would always be like, okay, so I was asked to lecture, but you're going to be there too. So he would, half the lecture would be me and half would be him. So I really felt like I was always included, which is why when the opportunity came to bring a periodontist, I was like, Kate, this is the best practice. you got to join. <laughs> and so that's how I was hoping that you would do it with me. And it's always fun to work with your friends. So we've kind of been living our best life lately. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times, like you mentioned, you know, I feel like there somehow has to be this divide of we have to do it ourselves because we're a woman. And sometimes you find the right path that leads you. And that happens to be, like I said, a historically male practice, but they've been entirely supportive as you would hope that your colleagues would be. Yeah, it's really worked out for us. I don't know why it's been like that. They're all married to really strong like women (laughs) that are smart and motivated. So I don't know if that's what it was, but it was a very easy transition. I would say that when I got pregnant, I felt like I don't want to miss a day. I want to keep up with the guys. And so when I had the baby, I worked till the day before I went into labor and I felt like I should come back right away. And I remember I was in the hospital. I had the baby. One of the guys didn't know and he called me. He was like, hey, when can you come in? We got to look at colors for the walls of the new office. And I was like, oh, I just had a baby, but I'll be there soon. And he was like, well, no, if you had a baby, it's fine. But I was the one with the pressure of like, I'll be there soon. I swear I'll be there soon. I'll call you on FaceTime. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, it's hard to step out of that role of like trying to always be really good at everything and trying to be on top of everything and never missing a beat. And sometimes you really just have to take a break. So I did. I took like three weeks off. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Which I tell other people, don't do that. Take more time off. And yet second baby, two weeks off. Third baby, two and a half weeks off. So I don't have a great answer. I wish I didn't do it that way. And I want other people not to do it that way. But it was like this internal thing in me that I was like, nope, I don't want to skip a beat. I don't want my patients. What if somebody needs something? And here I am. And as you guys have, Kate, you've been here now, if you said four years, right? Mm-hmm. Have you guys felt this transition? I feel like, you know, you've taken on more of a role here as a partner and, you know, with study club and everything like that. Have you felt that the original doctors or the older doctors that have been here and partnered for a while, like have really just allowed you guys to flourish and do what you want to do, so to speak? Very much so. I mean, like Ladonna was saying, walking into that practice with how established it is and Rick and Keith are five to 10 years older than me. And so it was an intimidating environment, but they're insanely supportive. Like I started and they're just feeding me cases to get me busy and fill my schedule and making sure I meet everybody and inviting me to everything and making me feel super welcome. And bringing on a new partner is no easy feat. And I see that now being a partner. I'm like, okay, like I see why you have resistance to it, right? Because you're like, this is a great group of people. Do we need to add another personality to the mix? Mm -hmm. But they were all like, no, this makes sense. This is what we want. We're extremely accepting of me, but I think it's because LaDonna like was paying them under the table. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been a really great environment and taking on a bigger role as a partner. And I walked into a very 
well-oiled machine. And it, so for me walking in, I don't have to like walk through the mud as much, but I do take on a greater role. So I now running a study club, I take more on in terms of managing things to some degree as well. And obviously making bigger decisions and things like that, which has been great. And it's been busier and it sort of made me almost respect how busy my husband used to be too and understand like how he really prioritized his career because he wanted to provide for the kids and make sure that we had this life that we wanted to live. And now I'm the one that's more busy than he is sometimes. And he's like, no, you should do that. And I was like, oh, I was the asshole. And now you're being the understanding one. This isn't fair. (laughs) (laughs) But you sort of see it. I mean, it makes you sort of understand, which has been which has been interesting to say the least. Well, and I actually was talking to Kate again because we work together a lot, luckily. So I was saying, I remember when I first started, the people that were tough on me were actually more women than the men. And when I had graduated and it being the kind of female in the practice, I think some of the older referring doctors, older, not by age, but just who've been referring for a long time, were kind of like, oh, I don't want my patient to see that girl. And of course, that comes with just being new. I don't think it was necessarily because I was a female, but I found that any issue I had, it was a misunderstanding. I didn't, your patient still had pain. They would automatically kind of assume that I did something wrong. And I was, of course, like, I would say kind of naive. And I wasn't overly confident that first year. I just was like, I hope I just don't kill anyone and everything goes okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they would call and I would always be like, why are they being so mean? Like, why so direct? Why so I, what, I didn't do anything on purpose? And again, I would kind of talk to the guys and they'd be like, let me deal with it for you. And I'd be like, no, no, let me do it. I wanted to do it myself. But it wasn't until they talked to these dentists and I can think of two that I still think about that kind of shaped the way I talk to people now. Like it wasn't until the guys talked to them that they backed off of me a little bit. And now I find that like if I can help anyone, like any especially female doctors from general dentists or anyone I come in contact with or we have a newer endodontist that joined, like I want to be there for her to help her grow because I remember how it kind of hurt my feelings that the female doctors who I thought would be so excited there was a female in the practice weren't that into me. Now it's better, but like that first year, that's not where my support came from. I think there's been a shift too. We're all competitive with each other. That's part of, I think, I mean, why women drive women, I think, too. But I think there's been a huge shift to switching that mentality over to women supporting women, because in reality, we're better together. We're having conversations like this and bring things out in the open. And it doesn't have to necessarily be like an us versus them or you versus me or men versus women or all that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's been what's been so positive about one, seeing the shift in there being so many female-led practices, or even here for you guys, this location is an all-female practice because it doesn't have to necessarily, it, it's an amazing thing, but I think there's been a huge shift for the positive where once the mentality was that, and maybe there's a slight bit of competitiveness in it, you know, yeah, maybe. who's to say, but now there's definitely been a support system hopefully built where I feel like I refer definitely to more females than I do males. Yeah. But I think it's a little bit of a bias. I think, <laughs> I think women are awesome. But, you know, I found myself starting to do that. I just want people to understand that I'm only human. Exactly. My goal is to help people. That's why I became a periodontist and why I continue to practice. But I think people see your name or you hear, you know, see a phone call from you or see a letter from you. And they're like, oh, that's just Kate 
Quinlan on a piece of paper, but I'm like, no, I'm like a real human being. I'm nice. I like get along with people. I have friends. (laughs) I have kids. I have a husband. I've got sisters and a brother. Like I want people to be relatable to be able to relate to me so that they can understand. Like, I think people are very off put by everyone initially. And if you can like show them that you're actually a mm-hmm. person, that is a huge part of it, but it takes a long time to be able to develop those relationships with people. And it's hard because you meet a lot of brick walls. So to wrap things up, you guys can think about it too for a second is what do you guys do to honor yourself as you first You as a specialist or a dentist, you as a wife and you as a mom. And do you? I mean, that may be like the honest answer. Like I would say like for myself, I'll go first. I would say that I probably honor myself as a dentist or a practice owner first. And I honor it by prioritizing it, I think, over everything else, to be very frank. Then I would say I honor myself as being a mom because I try to pick up my daughter as much as I can or FaceTime her. I don't think there's been one night since she's been born that I haven't seen her before she goes to bed. If I'm not there, I've made that decision. Then I would say, I don't even know if I honor myself as my own person. Like self-care has really just taken, it's the bottom of the totem pole, bottom of the totem pole. I think it's hard to have self-care. Like for me, I just feel like I'm either pregnant or or nursing or recovering from that and then doing it again. So I definitely don't. I would say I honor myself sometimes just by going to work. Like I love Mondays, Kate and I work together. So sometimes, even though it's work and technically I'm being a dentist here, I actually chit-chat and like today we ordered like a really ridiculous breakfast from DoorDash that we felt like it. And we probably had three <laughs> coffees and we laughed and we okay. talked about vacations. And so that like having that friend time, sometimes it's like an excuse because you can still go to work and still have the friend time. So that's probably my outlets have been that. And every once in a while, I definitely am having on vacation. So while I work a ton, I also like to play hard. So like, I will do a three or four day vacation really quickly, but I'll make it amazing. That way I only feel like I'm missing two days of work. That's it. You don't feel that guilty. So I'll do girls trips with my high school friends, girls trips with my Boston girls, my Chicago friends. Kate and I are going to Paris this weekend for a quick anniversary trip with our husbands. So it's quick and it's intense and people are like, you're going where? But I'm like, yeah, because I'm not going to go for three weeks. I don't have that time and I have kids and so we're going for four days and it'll be great. Well, that's a great way to just still be you and spend time away and, but still also get to be work you too. I mean, it really, it seems like it's worked for you in terms of it's, blending all of it. Right. It's worked for me. And I definitely don't prioritize my husband. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just, I think that that's the one that tends as a mom. Oh yeah. To I forgot to, one. I forgot to mention. Right. So it's like the kids, it's work. <laughs> you prioritize him so much that you forgot to mention. Number one. You know what? He listens to every podcast guys too. So this is going to be great. So he's number one. Then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Number one, Dallas. Number one. How about you, Kate? I think that I would probably view that question more as like where I fuck up the least in order. So it would be work would be one is I am probably my best self at work. And then with my kids, 
and that probably with my husband, because I think you have all of that stuff gets piled on to the conversations that I have with my husband. So it's like, what's wrong with the kids? What happened with the kids today? What's wrong at work? What happened at work today? And so then, you know, and that's just marriage and life. And that's just where I am. But we make it through. And then sometimes those priorities change a little bit here and there. But really, it's like I'm my strongest self at work, certainly. And like Vladana said, I don't ever have nail polish on my nails anymore because I don't have time to go back and get another nail polish changed. And so I would just look like a little kid that chipped <laughs> off all their nail polish all day long, which isn't very professional. But it's great to be here and chit chat and eat veggie straws and potato chips all day. And, you know, Wait, should we tell Priyanka our secret but thing that we do that even the guys at work don't know about <laughs> on Mondays? Kate and I will call Sooth, you know, the massage. People, yeah. And we book a guy here to sit here for like two hours and we jump in for five minutes in between patients. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's so good. This is how you do that's it all. Self-care. <laughs> that's self-care that's right self-care. here. That's the self-care part for sure. Oh my God. That's yeah. amazing. I think that this comes down to like, you know, we all have our own ideas of what we can do to honor ourselves and do our best to do that and still really try to be the best practitioner we can be. And I think that is really what it just comes down to is at the end of the day, feeling good about what you're doing, whether it's as a mom, whether it's as a doctor or whatever it may be. And I think what talk about what your sister-in-law says is really actually still hitting home after she said it. Like you can't have it all at once, but you can have it all, but you can have it all. Yeah. And things might change. Like next year, maybe we do the same conversation. We all might be in a different place. Right. And in five years, like things are going to ebb and flow. And I think the goal is to just keep moving and keep moving forward and not let anything go too far to the extreme to where it's not repairable, right? Whether it's your self-care, got to make sure you're pretty okay. You don't have to be perfect, but pretty okay. Your marriage doesn't have to be perfect, but still moving together, right? Yeah. And same with the kids so that everything's like more or less going all right. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys taking the time on your Monday to hang out and I really appreciate it. So thank you so much again for listening, everyone, and enjoy the rest of your day.